Blog Talk Radio. Welcome this Saturday morning, uh, April the 16th. I want to remind you guys, I think I've done this the last couple of shows, April the 18th, if you're in the, in the United States. That's the tax filing deadline, so I hope I don't want to see anybody get any penalties. So Monday, April the 18th, I think there has to be by midnight, Monday, April the 18th. But I want to welcome you. It's a gorgeous day here in Georgia, and uh, the pollens calm down because all the trees are no longer bare, but they've got those gorgeous green leaves on them. So thank you for joining us here. And we have this this topic for today. Uh, Off the Shelf has been on the air at Rainbow Soul. We started and now on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, but we've been on the air now going on 12 years. And this is the first time in 12 years we certainly had some phenomenal guests on Off the Shelf uh, but this is the first time we've covered the topic that we're going to cover today on the show. Uh, I always like to let you know we 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 do have a. I'm really it's a blessing the guests that we have on, and there's still time for people to dial into the show. And if you want to dial in, and you can tell your friends uh, to dial in, it's three four seven nine nine four three four nine zero. Again, it's three four seven. Nine nine four three four nine zero. You can connect through the chat room, iTunes. There's several ways to connect to Off the Shelf to hear the show live. And the best way to ask questions is either to dial in and then raise your hand that you have a question, or ask a question in the chat room, and we may ask ask and answer it live on the air today. So this is something that uh, all of our shows could could really change your life. Uh, this is one I think definitely could, and it could set a whole family uh, free and, and have a, a wide, wide impact. But I want to start, as I have on each of our shows, with a thought that some just something for you to chew on. And today's thought is formal education will make you a living, like a financial living. Uh, self-education will make you a fortune the things you learn out of the classroom. And that quote is from Jim Ron. and I would say self-education is the experiences that we have. Before we go into the show, I, I, I want to ask you how much you love mystery books and how much you value family and relationships. And we know all of our relationships really start with what we learn in our family. Our family relationships impact us so much that, we can we can sometimes associate our creator with a, the way a parent behaves. So if a parent is mean, we might think the creator is mean. And it has such an impact on us. But if those things are important to you and you, you value how ex, different experiences and relationships, they actually can mold and shape in us, but even more help to awaken us to to who and what we really are. I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me if you value those things. And, and again, it, there, there are high chase scenes in Love Pour Over Me that will keep you on the edge of your seat. It's an e-book and print format. You can read free excerpts at www.chistel.com. Again, that's C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. It's at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. Again, it's an ebook and print form. Uh, love pour over me, and I encourage you to get a copy. And then uh, let me know how you enjoy uh, love pour over me by me, Denise Turney. And if you don't see it on the shelf, just ask a clerk for it. Tell me you want to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can order a special copy for you. And now to what I was starting the show talking about. Uh, if this is something, once you hear the topic, that there's somebody you suspect or no is dealing with this, I really do encourage you to ask them to dial in to Off the Shelf. So today our very special guest is discussing a topic in almost 12 years we've never covered before in depth in in this way. We've touched on it with another guest, but not in depth. And our special guest this morning is jo- Jocelyn Anderson, and Jocelyn is a public speaker. She is also the author of the books Woman Submit, Christian and Christians and Domestic Violence, and Woman, This is War, Gender, Slavery, and the Evangelical Case System. 
She has appeared on television and radio programs such as the Arthurine Rippey Show, Mainstream Baptist, Free Me Now, WMUZ, and WWJC. Please, please go check Jocelyn Anderson out online at jocelynanderson.com, and that's J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N.com. Again, that's J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-N-A-N-D-E-R-N. That's an E, not an O. S-E-N.com. We we are so honored and happy to have Jocelyn here with us on Off the Shelf this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Jocelyn. Did we lose her? Jocelyn? I think we may have lost her. Hopefully she will... Dial back in. I don't. I'm not sure what happened. If it, it looks like she's still on the line, Jocelyn. I'm still here. Yes. I can. Bur- I can barely hear you. Your voice I'm is on. down. you Oh, now you're fine. Now you're fine. I was just welcoming you to the show. To the show. So welcome to Off the Shelf. I thought we had lost our connection for a second. I thought so too. Well, thank you, Denise. It's a pleasure to be here, and I thank you. Uh, for inviting me. And also, I want to make one correction. You did wonderful. You pronounced my name right, but my uh, there's only one N in Jocelyn, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N, oh. and you got the Anderson right with an E, so thank you uh, on that. I want to website, make sure, so but, when uh, I give you a website again, would it, can, you, can you give your website URL, spell it out? Yes, it's JocelynAnderson.com. And uh, I am an Anderson with an E, so it is spelled J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. Okay, okay, okay. Well, we want to thank you, and I, and I encourage our off-the-shelf listeners again to go over to Jocelyn's website to learn more about her, even as you listen in and enjoy today's show. Now, you are the third guest who recently... On, on our show, this is not something I set out to do, but who is committed to empowering women. And that just happened for April for some reason, and I don't know why. And I didn't realize it happened was happening until I started researching for your feature interview. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This is a third April guest. But we're very happy to have you on Off the Shelf. And is this a tradition here at Off the Shelf? Before we launch into today's questions, we like to give our listeners a little backstory on our guests. So could you please give our listeners, tell them where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Uh, yeah. I grew up, uh, I grew up in Florida, and I'm a military brat. I'm an Air Force brat. People that are in the Air Force know by that term. Uh, I was born at Eglin Air Force Base, and we traveled a lot while I was growing up. My Jocelyn. 
Jocelyn, I, I thank you for what you shared. I don't know if the phone is not up to your mouth, but your voice is going in and out for some reason. I, okay, is this any better? It is a I little live, better. I live out yes. in the country, way, way out in the country. Oh. So, so so far out that my brother recommended that we call Verizon and offer to uh, let them put a tower on our property. I didn't know you could do that. He said they would even pay us. But we do live uh, really, really out in the country, so I do apologize for the connection, and it could definitely be on my end. Is this still sounding any better? I mean, no, it's a lot better. Up? Yes. Okay, good. Phone right here, and I won't move. And hope, and let me know if I start to fade again. Okay, okay. Well, we, again, we're, we're we're happy to have you on here, and appreciate what you shared. I was watching something on Dr. Phil yesterday, and he was he used the word continuum. That we don't, and you you sort of said that when you were sharing your your background that. You didn't start out where you ended up, and none of us do. And that's why they tell us whether it's your health or what, whatever it is that we're dealing with, uh, uh, something going on in our mind, our emotions, try to spot it as soon as possible so you can do something about it early before it gets entrenched, deeply rooted, and harder and harder to come out of. Uh, so I want the first question I wanted to ask you was, for our listening audience, I've, I've researched the show, but they may not know as, as much as, as so far because they might just meeting you. Is Woman Submit, is this your personal story, Jocelyn? And if not, what inspired the story? Uh, my, personal, my personal life inspired the story. Uh, as I shared, I don't know how much you caught a few moments ago our signal was, was going in and out. Uh, I did not encounter, uh, experience marital abuse until I was almost 40 years old. And that launched me into a nine-year nightmare that it, it took a long time to get out of. And the, and it is, uh, the book is based on my personal story, but the book itself is not my personal story. The first chapter uh, tells uh, my testimony of how I almost died, God's miraculous intervention uh, kept me from dying during that horrific attack. But he had spent nine years giving me insights, helping me to process what was going on and helping to lead me out of this. And uh, after that last horrific attack, I'm moving on with my life. I have I have left the abusive marriage. I am free from abuse, and the Holy Spirit is just uh, pricking my conscience constantly. I didn't want to write about this. People that go through abuse don't always want to. It's, just, it's like, let's move on. Let's, this, is, this is in the past. I'm, I'm moving forward with my life. But the Lord knew that people needed to hear the things that he, t- he was able to teach me to bring me completely out of abuse and to live free of it. And when I say free of it, I mean not only free from being abused, but free in my mind and free in my heart. Uh, I, I remember the abuse, Denise, but it doesn't hurt me anymore. Does that make sense? I don't, yes. I don't lose sleep at night thinking about what anyone did to hurt me. I have forgiven my abuser. It doesn't mean I had to live, continue living with him. It didn't mean I had to continue allowing him to hurt me, possibly kill me. But I was able to move, move forward. I'm free in my heart. Um, so it is, my, it is based on my personal story, yes. Uh, it is, uh, it, it's a story that I hope uh, inspires someone else to be free, maybe helps open their eyes a bit more to what they may be experiencing and challenges, challenges them. I was challenged as a woman who experienced abuse. I was challenged to look at the situation as it is. It's not easy to do when life is crazy, chaotic. Uh, life is full of fear uh, and insanity. But the Holy Spirit made it possible for me to do that. And so I shared, I shared my journey out, hopefully giving someone else a bit of a roadmap to help them find their way out. Mm. And, and, and yes, yes, and hopefully that's what happens for 
of someone who listens to this show today. Now, a few years ago, I was watching a television show about domestic violence, and I heard that Orthodox Christian families where domestic violence takes place in in, in the home is not in every home. There's nothing I don't think that happens widespread, anything, to any group of people. But when it does happen in Orthodox Christian families, uh, I'm, I, the show said that that's where the worst domestic violence happened. One wife said uh, it, it, it would be so small, things that would set her husband off, the way she unpacked the groceries, uh, something that small, um, the, the mopping the floor, however the floor was mopped. So you would, I would think, like I found that shocking. I would think it would be just the opposite, just the opposite if somebody had something going on in their mind, their psyche, that made them violent, that being a Christian, reading scriptures, they would be less so. So I wanted to ask you that. I just found that shocking. Why do you think some Orthodox Christians, and we're talking people who commit to following the scriptures to the latter, are so violent toward one another when they're angry? Well, let me say that a person who is truly following Jesus, truly being led by the Holy Spirit, truly loves the Word of God, will not be led down a path of violence or anger towards their family, their spouse, their loved ones. Now, that being said, I want to address an issue that's huge in Christianity today. It's been getting bigger. It's what I call traditional role religion, always been around, you know, since the garden. The man is the head of the house. The woman is to be submissive to her husband. Um, All people that subscribe to that doctrine do not live violent, horrible lives. Many live very happy, peaceful lives together. But uh, studies have shown And it's just a fact that deeply held, deeply rooted beliefs that men and women were created to certain roles can and does lead to abuse and even violence in many, many situations. Um, It's not the Bible. It's someone's sin on the Bible. It's not the truth that Jesus preached that said would make us free. It's what someone believes the Bible is saying. And, you know, power is a, is a, is a very, uh, the need for power, the need to control is one of the strongest needs in a human life. Love is a strong need, but do you know the need for personal power is a stronger need? There's nothing wrong with needing some degree of power in each of our lives. We need that to live autonomous lives. We need that to, you know, survive uh, in, the, in the workplace, in the marketplace. Every day we make autonomous decisions for ourselves uh, that we need to have that personal power to make. We need personal power to protect ourselves, to provide for ourselves. But when that's taken to the next step, that we want power over all of others around us, especially mm. ourselves. And if we think that one half the human race was created to be subservient to the other half of the human race, that's a recipe for disaster. And there is a Christian uh, psychologist, I can't remember his name, and I do apologize, Brennan Brannon, I believe is his name, and he, he is in the Bahamas, and he has written extensively that this doctrine of male headship, and he is a Christian, and he honors the Bible, but he has written that this doctrine of he- male headship when it's combined with strongly held traditional belief that the man is the head of the woman in an authoritative manner, that it's a recipe for violence and abuse. So I write about that. I speak about that. It's quite controversial, but I know that Jesus, our creator, God, our creator, he created the man and the woman in his image, both of us. He created us both. To, to take dominion of the earth, not over each other. And uh, we are free from the curse of sin. Jesus came and set us free. Uh, so men and women that love God, love the Bible, we are free from that curse of sin. 
but we are to walk in that word and to grow in that word and to grow in that liberty. And as a woman, the Bible says, I have liberty over my own person. Now, this is interesting. If it's all right with you, Denise, I'm going to throw it right out there. Uh, it says, I have liberty in First Corinthians uh, chapter, I believe it's 11. I have liberty mm-hmm. over my own person because of the angels. And when I was looking at that, it was like, Lord, what in the world does that verse mean? You know, so many people talk about what it means, and they usually talk about it saying women have to be under some authority of someone else because of the angels. I said, Lord, that just doesn't make any sense. Why in the world? Uh, So I checked it out. You know, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew. It was written in Greek. Uh, So we struggle so much under what I call gender-biased English translation theology. And um, when I checked out, I said, what in the world does women have in common with angels, Lord? And this is, as I studied through the Bible and tore that verse apart, and, and I actually wrote about this in Woman, This is War, Gender Slavery and the Evangelical Caste System. The only thing women seem to have in common that I could find is that one of their own sinned against God, fell, and led others into the fall with them. But God did not penalize all angels because of what some angels did, and neither did he penalize all women because of what one woman did. So for that reason, we have liberty, authority over our own person. And so the the two subjects, to me, are, are, they completely go together, and um, you can't address one without the other because domestic violence among Christians often stems, it, it's always a control issue. The anger comes because of, of the control, and when a man is told, hey, you're in charge, bottom line, some men can't handle it. I don't think any humans can actually handle too much power. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We know that. So wow. do you have any other questions? I, I think I've, I've rambled on that one long no, enough. No, no, I, oh. I have loads and loads of questions. But that is interesting because when I was watching that TV show, one of the, the women who had been abused, she tried so hard to be a good wife. And that's one thing that uh, people who are abused, and sometimes men are abused as well uh, by their wife. Yes, yes. But but um, yeah. the person, they, the person tries to appease the other person. They try to be perfect, and she said sometimes her husband would actually quote scripture to her, or before you know, doing or after he abused her. I just, um, it, it is. It's somebody taking scriptures, and you can do that with anything. You can do that with human-made laws, and you can work them to your advantage. That that's. Um, that's just to me what that's it's ignorance and that's what's what's going on. But I wanted to ask you, is it true, uh, and particularly if we have listeners who are in one of these positions, uh, being abused or being the abuser, is it true that women hold themselves responsible for the abuse that they suffer? I've, I've heard that over and over. But is it true that a woman thinks, I made him hit me? She's told that she makes him hit her. Often she's told by, by the abuser, the violent abuser. She's often told by her spiritual leaders that she brings on the abuse herself by not being submissive enough. Now, it is a fact that the more submissive a, a, a person tries to be to an abuser, whether or not that abuser is male or female, but most of the time it is male, But it is a fact that the more submissive a person tries to be with an abuser, the more abusive they will become. Submitting and becoming passive, yes, that will not cause the abuse to stop. In some cases, it may uh, abuse. The victims of abuse learn often how to manipulate their situations to keep the abuse at a minimum. So they will give up their right to have opinions, to assert themselves, uh, they'll filter everything through the, the abuser screen. Um, if I do this, if I say this, this or this or that could happen, so maybe I'd better walk this way or that way. All personal liberty and autonomy is just swept under the rug in attempts to appease the abuser. But it, and it may temporarily, for a day, for an hour, work. It will not. It is not a long-term solution. It will not work for longer than 
very temporary, and I'm talking a day, an hour, a week, usually not not as long as a week. Um, passivity does not help. It is not the answer, and um, it only makes things worse, actually. So, I'm so glad you that- shared that. I, I, I got to tell you, because when I've watched shows on domestic violence, and, and, and the, the few women I know who've undergone, gone through it they always try to keep the abuser calm and they 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 may blame other people something at work happened they blame their manager now you've gotten him upset and now he's going to take it out on me we have to keep him calm and i see that with people not just in domestic violence but even other people i see who tend to become angry they don't know how to manage that emotion everybody tries to keep them so calm do not get don't get mary upset don't get this one upset. You know what what they'll do. So it's like everybody has to revolve their life around this person. But so the the woman which or the man who which is the, exactly what the abuser wants. Can you hear me? Am I still here? I can hear you. I can hear you. You know, I, I'm glad we're having this conversation. I can see there's a lot of ignorance I have about it. It's a it's a it's a thing about control but even when the person feels like they have control it's never enough they they didn't have to get more and more and more and more and more of the control so it's like a cycle uh that never ends why do you think two questions jocelyn and i heard amongst teenagers uh, we know bullying is is bad but also a lot of teenage girls undergo it but they don't tell their families why do you think a person who's abused, why do you think they say it's their fault that that they're that they're actually causing the abuse? Why would somebody think that they're it's their fault? Well, they're told it's their fault. Uh, the abuser tells them it's their fault. Spiritual leaders tell them it's their fault. They're told it is their fault. I can't tell you how many times i I heard, you know, you make me do this, you know. I don't, no one can make us do anything. But yes. victims of abuse often buy in, you know, to, to, the, to the lie that they are causing the abuse because of their imperfections. They should be better people. They should be, I should be more understanding. You know, I should, uh, you know, I should be perfect. Well, none of us are perfect. You know, in a healthy relationship, no one's perfect. Um, even in good, healthy relationships, people have disagreements. They might even become angry. They might even argue. The difference is that the arguments don't go to that next level of abuse, either verbal abuse or physical abuse. Victims of abuse do often feel like it's their fault. I remember one time, Denise, I went to work. I had a I didn't have a full fledged black eye, okay? But I did have a bruise close to mm. my eye. And I had been separated many times from uh my abuser over verbal abuse. Verbal abuse is horrible. Abuse is just warfare, whether it's physical warfare or psychological warfare, it's destructive and horrible. And often I would leave, you know, over the just intolerable situation at my home. But I went to work one day, and I had a bruise on my face, and one of my coworkers said, Jocelyn, what happened? And I told her, and she said, well, did you leave? I said, no, I didn't leave. She said, you mean you'll leave him for calling you names, but you won't leave him for giving you a black eye. What, you think you deserve to get a black eye? And that made me stop and think. It's like, why did I let him give me a black eye, but I didn't leave? Why wasn't that bad enough to leave? And I, I had to ask myself the question, do I really believe I deserve this? Mm. Well, the answer was no. I didn't believe I deserved it. But did I believe I deserved to be safe? Did I believe I deserved to be happy? I I had this strongly held belief that if I left in order to live a safe life, if I left in order to be happy, something as selfish, quote, selfish, as being happy, that that, there would be something wrong with me. Wow. Women are taught 
Well, go ahead. Yeah, it it uh, and I can see if I can see where if you grow up in and particularly like a orthodox where the traditions are held fast and hard, uh, the man is the head. He should be leading, ruling. You just do what he says uh, and be a good wife. That could lead into that thinking that I I've just got to keep changing. I've just got to keep changing because he's the head. God made him first, although in the spirit, in the scriptures, it, the, woman, the woman didn't come out of the rib, the spirit part. But people don't often focus on that. But you could, I could see what that could create. And it's almost a little concerning as I'm, I'm listening to you, how many young girls are being groomed, and they don't even realize it in their own family, to be abused. Uh, young girls are are you you nailed it. Young girls are groomed to be abused uh, and to accept abuse, to accept uh, inferior stations, inferior positions, uh, to accept that they they should come second all the time. And you know the Bible teaches is for all Christians, and that's why I love the Bible. I never blamed many women um, who are very very you know hurt have been very abused, they will blame the Bible. I've heard them say, I can't read the Bible. It brings back too many memories because mm. I had so much abuse hurled at me through scripture verses. I was put down so much through the scripture. And I try to encourage them, God's word is what will set us free. People have misused it. People have abused it. People for centuries have used God's word as excuses to murder, to kill to oppress, mm-hmm. but God's word is not evil. Only pe- evil people that want to use it for evil purposes. And it was God's word that brought me out. And I want to say something because uh, a couple of times in this interview, you've mentioned the young, even young girls, you know, go through abuse. Um, it's a, it's becoming a big issue. And in, in the last, I don't know how many years um, it's been, but um, violence in schools grade school, middle school, high school, and college, violence against girls has been, has been increasing. And it has been shown to be directly correlated with strongly held convictions on the part of the young males who are abusive in feeling that males are superior to females. And this is going, this is even in the secular world, but a lot of this is being pushed through the Christian teaching because, you know, Christians don't live in a corner. We don't live in a closet. We live out in the world. We have jobs. We go to school. We go shopping. We have friends. We're, we belong to groups. And we take our convictions with us, and we share those convictions. And so these strongly held convictions about male-female roles are finding their way into the workplace, into the courts, into the schools. Women are suffering, girls are suffering, and um, it, it's just got to, be, it's got to be addressed. And I've been addressing it now for, for some years. So, uh, uh, we, need, you know, you need, we need more voices because we like to hide our wrongs, and that's, all, I think, all humans. We want to, uh, we, we, and that doesn't get rid of it. That actually causes no. the worst. We want to hide it, keep it a secret, hide it. The, the way to get through it is to look at it, deal with it, and let it go, not to hide it. You don't get rid of something by burying it. It's still there. Are there signs, uh, Jocelyn, are there signs, and hopefully someone will listen. I had a friend whose mother was abused. She saw her daughter going down the same path, and the daughter kept saying, but I love him, I love him, I love him. And I saw this guy actually try to break her arm for no reason. And she, she she buried, said, you know, but he's really still a nice guy. So her mother said, okay. I, she told her to leave him. She wouldn't. And the girl must have been 14, 15, young. Maybe even younger than that. I don't remember. But she, the mother packed up the bags, moved from Tennessee to California, and told her, you're coming with me. And that girl, to this day, she's grown, is in a, in a marriage. She's happily married. She said, thank God for my mother. Oh, my God. said, my life would have been a whole different life. Oh, she just said, thank God for my mother. That said, are there signs that a man or a woman 
isn't a isn't a beezer. Early on, people say they're so charming. Yeah. They are the most charming, loving people. You hear people say, oh, "I never saw it coming," but is that really true? Are there signs Sometimes. when you look back that somebody could become an abuser? Sometimes. Sometimes they don't see it coming, and yes, there can be signs, and yes, abusers can be very charming and know very well how to hide um, their tendencies until they think they've got you. Um, I, yes, there are signs. Uh, when I, when I uh, entered into an abusive marriage, there were signs before I got married, but I was ignorant. I didn't understand the nature of abuse. I didn't understand the far-reaching consequence. I just didn't understand it. But, yes, I want to share a few signs. And, you know, and I share that I I went into an abusive marriage seeing signs before I got married but not realizing that it was, quote, abuse. And I remember uh, it was only a few months after I got married, three or four months later, I remember watching, I was at my mother's house, and a commercial came on TV, and the commercial said, here are 10 signs of abuse. And if you're experiencing, you know, two or more of these, you may be in an abusive relationship. Oh, my goodness. Out of 10, I I was just going check, 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 check. (laughs) And that was when the light went on. Oh, my goodness. I'm in an abusive relationship. I was in it but didn't realize that what I was experiencing, what was causing me to be so unhappy, I was actually had become severely depressed because I was trying to, fix things in this new marriage that that weren't fixable. They weren't due to problems in our marriage. They were due to the fact that I had married an abuser and this was the way he was and this was the way his life was going to be and he had no no desire to change. Didn't think he needed to change. And I'm trying to make things better and, and I and I'm thinking I'm going insane. I really was. <laughs> I'd ask people, I said, why do I I asked my, I would ask my sister-in-law, why do I cry so much, you know? Oh. And uh, I, can, I can smile about it now. It's not a wow. funny situation. But some of the good yeah. news is, the good news is I can smile about these things now. I can look back and say, thank you, Lord, that you, it was a long process. It was not any, and the light didn't go on today and I got out tomorrow. It was a long process. But, okay, there are some signs of abuse. And um, I jotted down a few because I knew okay. you would ask this, this question. Um, one of the big things that I I began I have learned to rec- that I learned to recognize was I was filtering everything through the abuser screen. See, all mm-hmm. signs of abuse are not overt. They're not all, and all abuse is not overt. Some is covert, and then sometimes you can identify abuse to how you're responding. Responding to a certain person, they may they may be so smart they're not going to say anything overtly ugly. So it's really hard to nail it and pin it down. But this is something to pay attention to: Are you filtering what you say through the screen of how they will react? Uh, are you are you not being yourself because you know it's going to get a reaction that's going to cause trouble? for hours or days, um, or it's going to bring a lot of criticism down on you. Pay attention to how you feel, how, how this person makes you feel. Uh, do you avoid certain topics altogether? Are you wondering if you're the one who's crazy? I was asking people, what's wrong with me that I'm so depressed that, that every time he says something, the slight, I, just, I just burst into tears. I, I was really losing it, and I couldn't figure out why, and I thought I was going nuts um and i was not going nuts i was responding in a perfectly normal way to being abused and i didn't realize i was being abused but here's some overt actions uh does does your partner yell at you yes we can argue with each other sometimes you know we might even raise our voice i grew up in a loud family Denise. there was five of us all right we were loud um some families are loud. Some families are, are not so loud. I love the soft voices. But there's a difference between, you know, being in a loud family and being yelled at, shouted right. at. Uh, do they, being, uh, does, does, does your abuser yell at you in an intimidating manner? You know, my abuser would get right in my face 
and yell at me in efforts to intimidate me. And he and it was and, and it worked because he did. He was bigger than me. Um, does your partner embarrass you in public in front of your friends? Mm. Try to deliberately humiliate you. Uh, that's abusive behavior. If they know that it's embarrassing to you and they're doing it for that purpose, that's that's abusive. Do they criticize you? Do they put you down in private and in public? It doesn't have to be in front of you know. Criticism, we talked, there are differences between normal conversation and saying, honey, um, could I talk to you about something, you know, and, and mm-hmm. constantly criticizing everything we say, everything we do, um, how we look, how we dress, who, are, who we choose for friends. Um, we're, we're, we're talking for signs of abuse. Do they blame you for their abusive behavior? You made me yell at you. You made me hit you. You know, hitting is abuse. That's, that's absolutely abuse. Now, I will tell you, I made excuses for my abusive ex-husband. He's my former husband. I'm not married to him any longer. I made excuses for why he did things like pull my hair. I, I, he pulled oh. my hair, jerked me by my hair so often that for years oh. I felt like I had a neck injury, and I probably did. Um, to this day, and it's been 20, oh, my, uh, probably, I don't know, how many years ago was it? Over 15 years. Mm-hmm. To this day, if I'm driving in the car and I'm changing lanes and I have to look behind me, you know, to see what's in the lane behind me, right. I very carefully turn my head because um, of the oh, stiffness right. in my neck from having my ponytail jerked so much oh. out of just pure meanness. And see, I would—I never considered that abuse while it was happening. But later on, I looked back. I thought, how cruel, you know. Yeah. Here's here's a big one. Does he destroy your belonging? Abusers will go after what you love. They'll destroy your favorite things. Um, over half of my—I have a beautiful set of china that my my father bought my mother when we lived in Taiwan. It was a beautiful 16 place. Uh, place setting, 16 pieces of each piece. And my mother gave it to me. So, of course, that means a lot to me because it was a gift to my mother from my father when I was a baby. And I only have eight place settings of that set left and only two or three pieces of some pieces because he deliberately just, he knew what that set meant to me, that he would deliberately break my china. (laughs) You know, um, it's, uh, I, I've, I've learned to become very unmaterialistic because in order to leave that abusive marriage, I had to walk away of a, a, of a house, I, a home I loved, furniture that I had bought and paid for myself, my pictures on my wall. You know, we, we live in a home. We make it our home. I had to right. walk away from all of that. I had to let him have all of it just so that he would sign that divorce papers, you know. Mm. But he would, he would break things I loved. He actually tore up some of my favorite clothes. So do they destroy your belongings? Um, they will, uh, they will uh, abuse, they'll attack you emotionally. They'll threaten to commit suicide. If you leave me, I'll kill myself. That's mm. a big one. You know, all women who live with abusive husbands, they don't hate their husbands. They don't even dislike their husbands. They just hate the abuse. And they get to a point where they know they've got to get away from it, but it doesn't mean they don't love their spouse or their partner. Uh, and so they'll commit to, they'll threaten to commit suicide. You know, that is nothing but psychological abuse. Don't cow to that one at all. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've given the answer, well, I'll call 911 then. <laughs> But if they're a violent abuser, don't say anything. If they're a violent abuser, don't have a discussion about it. Um, But I've been told, you can't leave me. You know, I'm trying to give my life to the Lord, and I'm trying to get better, and you're helping me. You can't leave me. What will I do if you leave me? You know, that was a big one that jerked on my conscience. Uh, But the question has got to be, what will happen if I stay? I confronted a, a large ministry. I won't tell you the name of the ministry. But several years ago, I, I confronted a large ministry that had posted on their ministering on their ministry website um, for this is advice to abused and battered wives. Only leave an abusive husband 
if you are being systematically beat. One or two instances of being slapped or hit is not abuse. They were wow. wrong. Yes. Um, it's oh shocking. My it's gosh. a very well-known ministry. It's a very widely, if I was to say the name, everyone would recognize, everybody. It, it's, it's a household name. But they said wow. this is not one or two instances. It's not abuse. Only leave. You're only justified in leaving if you are being systematically beaten. And I confronted that ministry publicly. I said, what, what systematic? Once, twice, three times, every day, every week, once a month? What about the woman who's, who's killed the first time he beats her? What about the woman who was married to this man for 20 years and she said he'd never hit her? The first time he hit her, she called the police and had him arrested. They let him out of jail because he had no history of abuse. This is a fact. He got out of jail, went straight to their home, and murdered He killed her. She wasn't even beaten twice. He beat her once. The second time, he killed her. Now, that's the second instance. You know, what it, this kind, the kind of advice women are getting is getting them killed. And so right. signs of abuse, um, if they threaten to take your children away or harm your children if you leave, if they threaten to hurt you or kill you, that is abuse. Um, a bad or an unpredictable temper, that can be a sign that they can be abusers, uh, even if they haven't. You know, that could be early on in a relationship. Mm, I think that you know? is, I got to tell you, that's for some, that that one, I think that's a, I think that's a major one. Signs of abuse that you're being abused, a lot of times, like you say, it can escalate. It can start, they just start working on your mind. Uh, a lady who I, who we interviewed, she didn't focus on the abuse, and her abuser came back. The cops showed up in time, but they said they had no doubt. They found a chainsaw that he was probably going oh. to take her out. but Yeah, but she said it started with, and they were Christian, it started with uh, she had to be, she, she, she wanted to be the best wife, and I find that a lot of women want to be the best wife in the world. And then it became, who are you on the phone talking to when he came home from work? I'm talking to my sister. Put the phone down. You can talk to her when when I'm at work, but when I'm home, it's just me and you. So he started to control who she was talking to, when she's talking mm-hmm. to the, to him. Those are also, I think, good signs. The, uh, they, the person might become extremely angry with a waiter or a parking attendant. They're, why is it taking so long for them to come with the car? That's signs they have anger management issues. They don't take responsibility for themselves. They blame other people for what they feel and experience. It's somebody else's fault. And whoever's fault they think it is, they're going to punish them. So that's, to me, signs. And then trying to control who you see. And really, yeah. if they had their way, you'd really only be seeing and talking to them. <laughs> well, it's, it's a ploy. It, it's actually a method to isolate you. And that's one of the overt, I mean, not overt, but covert signs of abuse uh, that mm. I deal with trying to control who you see and who you talk to. And this is how this is how it will often happen. It'll be, well, I'm only watching out for you. You know, that person, that person's not really your friend. Or, you know, your mother's just trying to cause trouble. Um, I'm the only person that you can trust or depend on to really look out for your best interest. And what that, what they're doing is trying to isolate their victim from all sources of support. Because once you're isolated, who do you go to? Who do you talk to? Uh, it's it's a terrible situation, um, and they and that, that's a big thing that you mentioned, Denise, the isolation and the the con- trying to control who you talk to and see. Because that's the end result of that is to, to completely isolate you from anyone except them. And when your abuser is your only supporter, that's a bad that's a bad situation yes. uh, to be in. Um, I've got they'll so try to limit. Questions. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, they'll try to so limit many. access to money, you know, ah. uh, control, control you economically. And I want to say this. There's a book. It's an old book. It was written in 1970 that is still How to Be Happy Though Married, that is still widely circulated in certain evangelical circles today. And in one, and, and I hear it coming from different people, like uh, what very well-known very well-known people, uh, uh, religious leaders, uh, 
people that advise us on money, Christian, you know, money experts, and they'll say, they'll talk to people about their money, how to manage their money. In an abusive situation, none of that works because you've got to have, you've got to have access to money and abusers will try to limit your access or cut it off altogether. And in this one book, how to be happy though married, the, the author goes right out to say, women, when you get married, you need to put your money in your husband's checking account, and if you get oh. a job, we don't agree that you should get a job, but if you get a job, you should let your husband control the money, because if you don't, you're going to feel too independent. And um, that is, do you know, that is, that is telling women to let their husbands economically abuse them if they're so inclined to do so. Um, yeah. That's not right. Uh, in my in the in in the, my situation, I had to get my own checking account because he would just rip through our money and not pay the bills. He would take all my money, and I was struggling. I was the only one working a lot of the time in that particular mar- in that marriage, and uh, I had you to get my own are. checking account to make so, sure the bills got paid. Uh-huh. I have to ask and you, your husband. For our off-the-shelf listeners, we're speaking with Jocelyn Anderson, the author of the book Women Submit. We are, we are, we could go on another hour. The hour is coming to a close, believe it or not. I have wow. to ask you, your husband was a pastor. Was he a pastor or was he in the ministry, your ex-husband? Was he in the ministry when you met? And And one would think, okay, <laughs> he's a deacon, he's a minister. There's no way. He would ever abuse anybody. I I just find it shocking. I can only imagine how shocked you were uh, the first time he, he put his hands on you. I would be floor. I, I think I would be in a state of shock that it even happened. He was an associate pastor of our church when we met. Uh, abusers are not. They don't come in cookie cutter. You know, they're not all identical. He was very communicative, very pleasant, very funny. People liked him. Um, he was an associate pastor. Was He just totally seemed enthusiastic and was enthusiastic about the ministry. So, yes, I was very, very shocked. Um, and every, everyone was shocked. Everyone was shocked. Um, I, I will say I had a pastor that was very supportive of me. I was also an associate associate pastor of that church i went on to become an associate pastor of that church and um praise and worship leader and my pastor was very supportive of me in that uh when the when the abuse started and i have to say that without his help it would have been much more difficult so what yeah, if I, he was an associate pastor and um yeah would it i, I my, i'm, I'm going to just take a guess having been in in, in the church for years myself, what what did you what advice would you give to a woman who's in a in is in the church? Whether she's married to a minister, somebody else who goes to the church, I can only imagine that people probably say, "I don't believe you." So first, that's the first thing. What what how I how can a woman I, come well, out of this? Well, um, I'm going to address both of those questions: the "I don't believe you" and "How can a woman come out of this." people that have good marriages and they don't see any evidence of of this type of thing in their marriage have the most difficult time grasping this. I did because I never experienced abuse till I was almost in my forties, Denise. And I, I met people that were going through abuse, but you know what? It, it, I would think, why don't they just leave? You know, I, I would understand that they were abused and my whole thing was, well, they need to leave. And, um, once I got into it, I realized the dynamics, are not are not that simple. So yes, I do understand that there are people that don't don't understand it and don't get it at all. I would encourage Christians that don't understand it to at least have an open mind and try. The material is out there. I do have my book Woman Submit Christians in Domestic Violence, which can give some insight. Uh and thank God, you know, people I do hear from people who have read my book, um, both people that are going through abuse and people that haven't. And advice for getting out, you know, women can spend years in this situation. Their lives can be completely consumed and ruined, the lives of their children. People, women that are in this situation know how bad it is, but it's easier said than done. My first advice would be think about your safety first. It, you need to be first. You're not being selfish. 
God is not going to blame you. You know, I actually put a blueprint uh, for a blueprint for safety in my book, Woman Submit, how, because it was a big revelation to me, Denise, that God wanted me out of that situation, that God wanted me to be delivered uh, from the evil man. And a man that beats his wife and abuses his wife is evil. The Bible defines evil as behavior. You know, we, I made excuses. Oh, well, he's really a good person. He just act, behaves badly sometimes. No, the behavior defines who we are. And so I would say your safety is first. Don't try to figure out the rest of your life today. That was a big thing that held me back from getting out. I couldn't figure out how I was going to pull this off on a long-term basis. Yeah, I can run today, but what am I going to do tomorrow? You know, don't, you don't have to figure it out today. Get to safety. Spend a couple of days getting your bearings. You'll find you can think more clearly, you know, when that happens. Get to safety first and then, and then uh, make some decisions and go from there. Um, I, I found the scripture verse, and I'm talking to a Christian woman here, but any woman that the Bible, the verse that set me free, but it still was a process, was, uh, it was a passage in Proverbs chapter 2, uh, verses 10 through 13, when wisdom enters your heart, knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Discretion shall preserve you. Understanding shall keep you to deliver you from the way of the evil man, from the man who speaks forward things and leaves the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. You know, that just hit me between the eyes one day. It's like, Lord, you do want to deliver me. It is your will for me to be free. And that, just that verse, the way I just read it, just was a light bulb going on. It was still a process after that, but after that, I was able to operate from the paradigm, God wants me to be free. Take Did off you the rose-colored... Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask a question. You said take off the rose... You were saying take off take the rose-colored... Take off the rose-colored glasses. You know, we all wore them. We all wear them, and I wore them, and I, 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 would, I would ascribe motivation uh, to my abuser that he didn't have. You know, take off the rose-colored glasses. Be willing. This is my advice to the Christian woman. Be willing to see your situation for what it is rather than what we would want it to be. Be willing when wisdom enters in and knowledge is, and that's a key word when, because God knows it in his time when we're able to face the truth. Be willing to face the truth. Take off those rose-colored glasses. Ask the Lord to help you face the truth. Make a plan. Planning your own preservation, and, and, it, and, and it will probably have to be in secret. Don't share it with your abuser. 75%, this is not a myth, although people say it is, but it's not. 75% of women who die because of domestic violence are killed when trying to leave the violent marriage or situation. Oh. So do not sit down with your abuser and reasonably explain to him why you must leave. The first time I tried that, I said, if you ever hit me again, I will call the police. I was strangled unconscious. I, I don't know what oh. I'm I know it is because of God that I am alive, that I did not die that day. Oh. Don't say to your abuser, I'm leaving, because you have a 75% chance of dying. You're not going to make it out the door and without getting without something happening. You know, oh, so... Make a plan. Plan it in secret. It's not underhanded. It's not being disloyal. The Word of God tells you to do that. That's what that word discretion means. I looked it up in the Hebrew. One of the meanings of that word is make a plan. Make a plan. That plan will preserve thee, it says. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. That means to guard and protect you. So be willing to see the situation for what it is. Make that plan. You don't have to share it with the person that's abusing you, all right? But it will protect you. It will preserve you. Have, uh, ask God to give you that perceptive, that ability to separate the lies from the truth. Oh, my goodness. You know, actions and words. Believe the actions, not the words. Because what? in an abusive marriage, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, saying one thing, doing another. You're always off balance because... That's the way he wants the abuser wants you to be. You know, I, I really thank you for all that 
all that you shared, and I especially thank you. You just said something I never heard before. Uh, I heard the statistic on when it, it's when a woman does decide to leave that the risks are the highest. Because uh, a lot of people say, "Well, why don't you just leave?" And that's that's generally when it is the highest. And their children mm-hmm. and their family members can be murdered as well. But uh, when yeah. you said, "Don't tell the person." That's generally the first thing when you're upset to tell somebody, if you ever do this to me again, I'm going to call the cops, or if you ever do this to me again, I'm leaving you. Boom, that just escalates everything. That I didn't know. So that's something I'm glad you shared here at Off the Shelf. For any of our listeners who listen live today or might listen to the archives and they know somebody in this situation or they're in it themselves, they don't encourage the person to say, well, tell them next time he does it, you'll leave him. No, don't do that. Just make a plan and then get out, but you don't want to share that plan with with your abuser. I had never heard that one before, so I thank you for sharing that. Very, very quickly, what can each of us do to help bring it in and help people get free of domestic violence? Whether it's raising our sons, what can we do? Because this doesn't seem to be going away. Uh Raising our sons, men, uh, boys absorb contemptuous attitudes towards women very quickly if their fathers behave that way. Um, You know, raising our sons, my sons are not abusive. I have three sons. They're wonderful fathers. They're wonderful husbands. They respect their wives. They respect their wives' autonomy. Um, as, As far as helping people get free from abuse, Focus on the victim, for starters. You know, sometimes men do get free. I do understand that. And if they're seeking the Lord and they're they're getting counseling, sometimes counseling does help. I, I don't discourage that at all. Uh, but as far as abuse, people that are being abused will turn to people that are closest to them for help. Keep that door open. Listen to mm-hmm. them. Do not criticize their decisions one way or the other. You know, we tend to freak out and become fearful. Oh, you need to leave. Oh, you need to call the police. Oh, you need to get a divorce. You know what? When they're ready, they'll do that. It's okay to suggest leaving, suggest that alternative, get get safe, suggest the alternative. But if they're not ready to hear it yet, just let them know, I am here for you. I'm concerned only about your safety. It's okay to ask someone, are you safe? It's okay to go to a safe place for a few days. Leave the door open. It was a revolving door between me and my mother's house for years, Denise, years. My mother finally lost it to the point where she said, don't ever call me again. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, she repented, and she she told me she was sorry and that that I was always welcome still to come back. And it was that. Because every time I could go stay with her and regroup, I got stronger. I got stronger. I might have gone back. But I was still stronger. I was going back with a new perspective, and finally one day I was able to be free entirely. Keep the door open. Educate yourself. Find, find some re- local resources. Sometimes they may not need to come to your house. Maybe they need to go to a shelter. You know, a friend of mine who's a Christian went and spent three months at a shelter with her children. You know, mm-hmm. she had to. Um, none of her Christian friends would help her, so she, she called the uh, 800-799-7233 a domestic violence hotline and spoke with a, a counselor for a couple of months before she finally had the nerve to leave and they helped her make a plan and she finally got away. But she was living with a violent abuser with physical abuse. He beat her when she was pregnant with their child. And he was also a youth pastor of their church. Oh, God. And no one in their church would help her. So she had to go, you know, the route to call, calling the shelter to help her. So um, keep the door, keep the door open, keep that door open, you know, for that them is, and encourage them to be safe. That is excellent advice. I thank you for sharing it. Don't share your plan with your abuser, even if you're upset. I'm gonna call the cops. I'm gonna leave you. There has to be a plan that you do not share with your abuser, even when you're angry. Uh, and then also for uh, other people. Keep that door open. When the person is ready, and that applies to all of us, they they say things happen when we're ready. If you love somebody, just keep the door open. You certainly don't want to say make the abuse seem like it's something they should accept or it's normal, but just I'm here for you. I'm here right. for don't, you. Right. Don't blame them. Don't blame them for their abuse just because they went back. I had someone ask me, well, how many how many times did he beat you? That's a question. That's code for, well, did you leave the first time to stop it, or did you go back and bring it on yourself? 
you know. Mm-hmm. Abused women, battered women suffer a lot of shame because they're struggling to please everybody, Denise, and they just can't. And they need to take care of themselves, but they've got to get to the place where they can. That win mm-hmm. is so important. Win wisdom enters and knowledge is God knows mm. it's, it's, there's a time when we're ready for it. And, and an abused woman is not like an alcoholic or drug addict where, you know, the tough love is don't come around me with the abused woman. It's how can I help? You know, don't, don't let it, you know, drag your life down, but be there for your loved one, you know, yeah, and, and point them to some right, uh, good places, point them to professional help if, 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 if it's uh, appropriate. Usually uh, we want to we want to truly thank Jocelyn Anderson. I, I'd love to have you back on. This is a topic that is kept hidden, but I guarantee you, I think the last stat I heard was once every 17 seconds a woman's beaten in the home. So it's happened several times, even during the course of this interview, to mm-hmm. someone. It, even before this interview started, and it happened several. Three women a day yep. die. Yeah, so it's 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 hidden. People hide it, but it is extremely common, unfortunately. So we want to thank Jocelyn Anderson, and I really, really honor you for loving yourself and waking up and saying, "I'm not. I'm I'm worth more than this. I'm coming out of this." Uh, and Jocelyn is the author of the books "Women Submit: Christians and Domestic Violence," and that book is for anybody. And and uh, woman, this is war, gender slavery, and the evangelical cases. And we are so honored to have her, have had her on off the shelf. She's online at Jocelyn Anderson, J O C E L Y N A N D E R S E N dot com. And again, her book that we focused on today was Woman Submit. And I encourage you uh, to to support the book and get a copy, and to be there and keep the door open for anybody you know who is uh, dealing with domestic violence. We want to encourage you to come back next week, next Saturday, off the shelf, on the air. We're in, going into 12 years. We're on 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday mornings. We've had guests cover a variety of topics, and some of our guests have a national platform. Some have been on CNN, and one of our guests is actually um, – a news anchor on TV One now, and some have started their own TV shows. So we encourage you to come back here to Off the Shelf Radio, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday mornings. And and I thank Jocelyn and all of our guests who have truly blessed me, and I learned some valuable things. Uh, although I had studied domestic violence before, but I learned uh, two things I didn't know thanks to Jocelyn uh, today. So, again, Jocelyn, woman, submit. Domestic violence, Christians and domestic violence, please go support her. See you here next Saturday. Remember, you are amazing. You're incredible. You're awesome. That is the truth. And hopefully one day you will you will believe that and accept that truth. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Jocelyn, I'll shoot you, shoot you an email. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye.